Thank you all for being a part today. Welcome to Mountain Church. Love, I love seeing all the faces here every week. I love seeing the new faces. love seeing the old faces. Um, today, our message uh, is, I don't need you. Look at your neighbor with some attitude and say, I don't need you. I don't need you. Some of y'all said that a little too easy. <laughs> I don't need you. And it's, it's funny because the monster of I don't need you, the monster of isolation, is an all too familiar emotion that we've all expressed or experienced. It's, although it is only surface level reaction to inner demons that we have, we must break through it if we really want to experience victory in our lives. Again, someone say, I don't need you. I don't need you. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been realizing lately, I thought this was a monster of my past, but I'm finding it more and more in such subtle ways that it's a monster that I've been battling now. And maybe you know somebody, maybe you yourself, have that almost reactionary response when you feel rejected. When you feel like any kind of opposition or distance and your response is, well, I don't even need you anyway. I don't need you. When I was a kid, I felt that way. said, I don't need you. And I would, I would rather, instead of be with my family, I would rather live on the streets, sleeping at apartment pools, Stealing food. Because I don't need nobody. I can do this on my own. And I thought that was just a part of my childhood. And that I grew out of it. I grew up. But I realized that even in my marriage today. Whenever there's a disagreement. Or maybe something miscommunicated. My response is. I don't even want to talk about it. I just want to leave the room. I don't need this. I don't need you to be happy. Anyone ever think that? Maybe not in those clear words, I don't need you, but your actions show it. I remember the, uh, the other day I, I realized that this monster was still in me because there's a, there's a little bit of an incident that happened with me and my wife over the summer. It's like not even a big deal, but it was, uh, I, she's just an amazing cook. Can we give my wife Lauren a hand for cooking? She's, she cooks amazingly I love her cooking she just kind of fell into it naturally she says it's all about it that she's an amazing cook from prayer and Pinterest and and uh, there's a point where we it was a long day it was in the summer we had all the kids with us and I, we were all hungry and we got we got home and Lauren said oh man I can't wait to make me a sandwich and I said oh can you make me one too and her response, this was a long day, <laughs> was, you got hands, <laughs> make your own sandwich. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, make your own sandwich. <laughs> and I remember it was just such a little thing. It was just like, she didn't even realize that, uh, that it had made me so mad. And I got so exceptionally angry. I stopped talking altogether. All right, fine. I don't even want you to make me a sandwich anymore. I don't need you. That was all going on in the inside of my heart. 
all the kids were confused, like, what, what happened? My wife was confused, like, are you really that mad because I didn't make you a sandwich? I said, it's not even about the sandwich, it's the principle. And I started thinking, well, what is that, what is that principle? I started feeling confused of why I was so mad. Why am I really this mad over a, an, a piece of food that is only going to go away? I'm only going to be hungry later. Why is this one thing that's temporary making me so mad? And I realized that I was given this response that I don't need you because of a, a simple feeling of rejection. When she said, make your own sandwich, it brought up all these childhood memories of uh, not, not eating with my family. And I didn't even realize that eating with my wife was something so special to me that I never articulated into words. And when she said, make your own sandwich, it made me feel like I was rejected as a family. Like I was alone. Isn't that crazy? All those monsters came up in my heart. Anger, frustration, isolation. All from a simple, simple, simple response. Make your own sandwich. It's funny that we have these inner demons within us. And they come out. We see these puddles of anger. These puddles of rejection. These puddles of isolation, but they're only puddles from a source of a fire hydrant that's just leaking in our lives. When I was thinking about what scriptures to use for today, I literally, I was, I was uh, trying to think, I was, I was thinking of different scriptures, of, well, why I could use this, I could use that. And I, I just, I said, man, I just need to like turn off my brain for a second. So I got in the shower and I just sat there under the water to where the water could go over my ears and I couldn't hear anything else, but the noise of water rushing. And I just waited there thinking of the, the, all the scriptures. I just, just thinking of the title over and over and over. I don't need you. And then finally, it clicked. I got it. Someone look at your neighbor and say, he's got it. Someone say strange. This is a strange church. We meet in a bar. It's a strange day. We're talking about monsters. It's not even October yet. Although the new season of Walking Dead just hit Netflix today. Yeah, amen. Amen in the house. Um, let me read you all the scripture in Mark chapter 4, or Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. This is, a really, this is actually one of my favorite stories of the Bible. And it's, it's about this uh, guy claimed that he's a maniac. It's filled with all kinds of demons. And this is the story that happens. It says, So they arrived at the other side of the lake, in the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as often as he was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. You know, we're going to finish this whole story, but let's stop here and, and look at how strange this scenario is. This guy had, is going crazy. The town knows that he's like just lost his mind. The Bible tells us that he has uh, so many demons within him that they call themselves legion because there's many. That's like 
That's just wild. And the fact that these demons are, end up talking for this man is even stranger. But it's such a strange situation because even just looking at from the beginning, and, and let's just put those verses back up, put those very first verses up. It, it says that Jesus showed up on the other side of the lake. And what it, at the point of the story, it said that he was on the, across from the lake, they were in the middle of the lake, and then he shows up to where this guy is, and this guy runs up to Jesus before he even gets off of the boat. And it's almost like eventually God arrives wherever you're at. You ever like pinpoint those moments where God shows up? You ever heard a friend or a family member say like, oh, I found God. God just showed up in my life. You're like, what does that mean? Like God arrived. I thought God was everywhere. Like God isn't everything. How does he just show up specifically to you? And what's interesting is that when God does arrive where you're at, notice that Jesus didn't wait on the other side of the lake for this man to come to him. Jesus went to, to him where he was at and in the midst of the burial caves, the tombs, all this death and bondage and isolation all these broken chains everywhere this guy's cutting himself with stones it's all this crazy stuff going on and it didn't intimidate god to show up to where he was at even though a lot of times we think we're in too much of a mess too dirty of a situation for god to show up in our lives and it's interesting that when he shows up it feels like god came from the other side of the planet like he hasn't been around this whole time and now all of a sudden he shows up. You ever feel like God has been forgot about you? Feel like it's been absent. You don't know where he's been. But if you read just right before this chapter, it said that Jesus was was constantly praying on the mountain right across from the lake. And that he was even while he was in the boat, he was determined to get to this side of the lake. And now, I want to just think for a second. I like to use my imagination. You all like imagination land? It says that this guy would, be, would literally screech and howl and yell throughout the night. So I'd imagine that those, those noises would travel across the lake. As Jesus was praying on the mountaintop across the lake, he would hear this man howling and yelling. And Jesus determined beforehand, I'm going to go see this guy. And even even before God shows up, he was already listening and looking for this man. Even though when we feel like God does show up, it's almost like, oh, now you want to get here. But God was already paying attention to us before it seems like he got there. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And we often come out of our tombs to meet God rather than letting him come into our lives. It said this guy was living in the tombs, but when Jesus showed up, he left all that, ran out, and this big shell bowed down and said, Jesus, what are you doing here? He didn't want Jesus to go as far to where his life was. He's willing to just go out to Jesus on Sundays, right? Isn't that like a lot of us? And Sundays, we'll go out to God and say, all right, here I am. Look, you don't need to come any closer. You don't need to get involved with my life. I'm out here on Sundays. This is enough. We, we like to keep our tombs to ourselves. 
That's like kind of my, that's my thing, God. I don't really want you to be involved in that. You wouldn't understand. It's a little too dark for you to handle. You're too holy for this. We don't want to let God, the, the, the realness and the rawness of our lives. Because our lives, outside of Sunday, is filled with death, bondage, and isolation, loneliness, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. We don't want God to enter in all that. We just want to show up on Sunday, say, God, all right, look, hunky-dory. Yes, God, I'm here. See, I showed up. You don't even have to come any closer. Strange things happen to everyone. I don't know if any of you guys have had a legion of demons in your, in your life lately. But whether it's childhood traumas or maybe it's just anxiety and depression of all the weight of responsibilities of your adult life. Maybe you don't look at your childhood as all that bad, but now that you're an adult, it's so intimidating for you, it's hard for you to handle. It's traumatic either way. And we get to a point where life, so many strange things happen to our lives that it's hard for us to stay on the ground. We start to lose it. Going a little crazy. We act like we're sane, but deep down we know that we're all crazy, right? Everyone here has had a moment where they've seriously considered the thought of them being crazy. You know what? I really think I might have some deep issues here. And because we start having all these strange things in our lives happen, we start using strange things to cope. And these strange things that we go to to cope in our stressful, crazy lives end up being chains that only keep us down and bound. The very things that we use as a, as a vice, as a, as a way to break free or get out, is the very things that end up enslaving us, keeping us down. So many strange things, and it's, it's interesting that this... This man, he's just like caught in such a strange situation that nobody seems to be able to help him. Maybe you felt like that before. No matter who you tell, you feel like no one really understands. Maybe even your spouse, maybe your parents, whatever it is, feel like you just can't really get that help that you need. And so you just cope and act, and, and act like everything's okay. Even worse, what we end up doing is we end up smashing and breaking those shackles that other people put on us. We actually start breaking and smashing those relationships that connect us to other people. We break those relationships over and over, no matter how many times they try to come back to us. And it gets to a point that we think that these people are the shackles, not the demons within our past. And when, I mean, the tr- with all that, no one can really endure being smashed to pieces over and over. No matter how many times they try, you keep pushing them off, pushing them away. It's hard for people to endure that. Notice how when it says in Scripture that, that no one was strong enough. No one is strong enough to handle the motions that you can't even handle yourself. And 
because people aren't that strong, we take that as rejection instead of humanity. And when people just can't take it because we're all human, we take that simple, that simple humanity and say, they're rejecting me. Have you ever had a moment where you kind of like, you're mad at someone and at one point in your frustration, you realize that you do the very thing that they made you mad at. And you still like in your mind, you're like, yeah, but it's different. It's different. You, you ever hear that saying, uh, take your own medicine? I don't like to take my own medicine. I don't like it when people treat me the way I treat them. Anyone else like that? The nice parts, yeah, I love, I love that. But y'all know what I'm talking about, those parts that we keep at our tomb. That only those closest to us that are trying to build those relationships, they see those, those burial spots. They see that death that we surround ourselves with. Isn't it funny that the closest people to us are the people that we treat the worst? Have you ever wondered why that is? Why is it that we, we're so, I, I, can, I can be so patient with a, with a complete stranger, a separate human being. I really can. But with my wife, it's like, oh, how could you? You should have thought about this before you said that. Ruined the whole day. So I'm so angry and so upset because I have, I have such a shorter fuse for my wife, the person that's closest to me more than any other person in my life. You know, the complete stranger, oh, don't worry, there's plenty of grace, it's all right, don't worry about it, no problem. It's whatever, it's not a big deal. But to my wife, is like, how could you? Who do you think you are? What I believe is, the reason it's like that is because we wear our masks in front of everybody else in public. We only take those masks off at home. On Sunday, that's like where, that's the number one day of the week in the U.S. to put on a mask, right? Oh, God bless you. <laughs> oh, yes, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You ever say amen and not know what amen means? It's like, oh, yes. Praise God. The Lord is good. But when we go home, you don't even make it home and you're cussing at the kids. <laughs> Maybe you're just cussing in your head like, son of a blankety blank blank. If I had blank, I would blankety blank blank blank. Every other day of the week, you're just punching the steering wheel, screaming in your car. But on Sundays, it's like, oh man, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Anyone else like that? Is that just me? <laughs> All right, some honest people in the back. All right. We put our masks on everybody else that we barely know, but with those closest to us, they're the ones that see the real us. Those are the ones we're comfortable and vulnerable to be ourselves. So we allow ourselves to be angry while we hold back in public. Someone say safe zone. 
was some strange stuff. That was some strange stuff we were talking about. I kind of want to move on from all that strange stuff. All these strange things. Not everybody experiences that strange stuff, right? I'm just the only strange person. Let's move on to a safer topic. Safe zones. Look at your neighbor and say safety. I always think it's hilarious when you go to any type of gathering and people have safety seats. It's like you just need a little bit of safety. Just one chair. Just like, oh, like, hey, man, I can, I see you right there. It's like you go to the movie theater and even though you want to sit right in your favorite spot, you're like, well, someone's sitting right next to that. So I'm going to make a safety seat because I don't know this complete stranger. We like our safe zones, right? I like safe zones. I love safe zones. It's a spot where you could just not have to worry about expressing yourself to someone else. You could just secretly go crazy. Safe zones are awesome. Let's read in the scripture about these safe zones, what they really look like. Verse 5 through 8 starts saying, Day and night he wandered among the burial caves. And in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Isn't that how we think God is? (laughs) He's just there to punish us. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of that man, you evil spirit. Let's go to the beginning of those verses. It says day and night, wandering among the burial caves in the hills. We distance ourselves from others, but also surround ourselves with the past, keeping dead memories alive. We isolate ourselves Keep ourselves alone. No, I don't want to let anyone too close. I don't let anybody in. And it's funny that when we do that, the, the very fear that we have is this rejection. They really knew me. Yet, even though that's a thing that we're so scared of, it's, it's the very thing that we do as we push other people away. And we hang on to our past, we hang on to our memories, dead memories. That's what I see these gravestones as. Dead memories. We keep them alive. I'll never forget what my father did. I'll never forget what that teacher told me. I could never forget what she did to me, what he did to me. And we keep those dead memories that were long ago, we keep them alive in our hearts as if it just happened. It could be years, but we hang on to them. No, 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 no. I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to move on from this. No, they're not going to get my forgiveness. No, I know, what, I know what they're really like. Everyone should know. You know what? I'm a Christian and all, but they should go to hell. <laughs> Isn't that how extreme we get? Start fantasizing what it would be like to punch them in the face. You ever go as far to imagine what it would be like to, you know, (laughs) have your hands around their neck? (laughs) 
No one, right? No one does that. That's crazy talk. That's, that's strange. That's why we keep those thoughts in our safe zone. Don't let anybody else in. Because secretly, we're just crazy people, right? And see, what we do is, I, I, I think, I'm telling you, this is my favorite story. I love this story. Because I totally identify with this maniac. And this part where it says that he would cut himself with sharp stones. That just blows me away that even just the, the simple acts of cutting yourself is something that, that has always been done. Isn't that, isn't that wild? That's so wild to me. And, and what I see in this specific verse is that he's, he's so stuck in the past. So stuck in that trauma that he's using the sharp words of others. Isn't that what stones are like? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words never hurt me. Well, words are just like stones, right? Someone could say one thing to you, and it's like a rock to your gut. Like, oh, that one hurt. I felt that. And he's taking these words, and that's what it is when people talk rough, right? It's sharp. It's like they have their fangs ready to just cut deep into your soul. These stones that they threw at you, they were sharp what they said. They thought they had you all figured out when they said that. They just needed one minute to look at you and they made all their judgments about who you were as a person, as an individual. Oh, you're never going to succeed in life. You're always going to be a deadbeat. You're just going to be a loser. Those words just sink deep. But see, what we do is we hang on to those words and we cut ourselves over and over remembering what they said. Thinking about it every time. Replaying that same, that same thing over and over. And all we're doing is just cutting ourselves with our words repeatedly. We have the power to just throw that rock into that lake. To get rid of it. But we remember, it's like that word is written on that rock and we're just cutting ourselves with it. We just can't let it go. And then, just like in this verse, it says that Jesus was still some distance away. And that's where we like God. (laughs) Distance from our lives. Difference from where we sleep. Distance from our home. From our families. We like God distant. It's better that way, so we think. We don't want to let God too close. I want you to ask yourself, why is it that you like God so distant? Did you know that the, the men of faith, the men and women of faith in the Bible, that they talk about what it's like, that desire to keep God distant? We imagine them just be these super holy people that just like run after God with all their heart with no restraint. No doubts, no fears. Do you know that there's scriptures of even David crying out saying, God, look away from me. I can't stand you so close. You ever feel like that? God, I, I, I cannot have you so close to me. It's too much. When you're around, I think about things. When you're around, I start feeling even the emotions of my past. As if you're trying to say there needs more, something to happen with those things that I feel. 
I want them to just be dead memories that I use to cut myself later. But we, it's like deep in our hearts when we're close to God, it's like the strangest things come out of those safe zones. The strangest things come up. Things that we thought we forgot about. But we didn't realize we're still shackles that we bound ourselves with. I think one of the, the biggest things, just like this guy says, don't torture me, Jesus. Isn't that one of the biggest fears of church? I'll go, but I just can't take the torture. <laughs> Maybe that torture is falling asleep, right? Like, I just so boring. <laughs> the message is so difficult. Oh, man, don't torture me with church. Or maybe it's, God, I can't take the torture of judgment. I can't take the torture of trying to fit into this group that I just don't fit in with. I can't take this torture of feeling like such a sinner, feeling like I'm not accepted, feeling like I'm so dirty, so messed up. I can't take that torture. And... We believe these lies about God. That He's just like this mean boss waiting to fire us. That He's just like waiting to slam dunk us to hell. The minute we mess up, He's like, oh, boom! You're gone! We think of God like a lightning bolt. It's ready to make us perish. Did you know that the Bible says that God doesn't even take pleasure in punishing the wicked? You ever wonder, like, why didn't God just, like, make this person's life horrible? I know this person is a horrible person. Why doesn't God just punish them now? God doesn't take pleasure in punishing the wicked. Well, it seems like it takes pleasure in punishing me. But we get confused with who the real demons are. We start thinking that God and Jesus are the demons that are attacking us from within. But they're not. In fact, Jesus is the very one that's trying to bring freedom to this man. God's the very one that's trying to heal this man. He's shrieking, saying, No! I can't take it. I can't. It's too much. I'm going to just stay in this safe zone that I made for myself. Isolate myself. You're interfering with my loneliness, God. I'd rather just be here and wallow in pain and misery. God, surely you can't get rid of all these demons of my past. Someone say community. Community, yeah, that was a little sobering, deeper moment, right? Community. You know, I, I had to literally, when I was told you guys that I was standing in the shower until these, the Scripture would just, I just God, I'm not going to move until you just tell me. Because I knew there was something there. It's like, you ever, like, you know that you're remembering something, but you can't remember it. It's like you're trying to remember a slogan like, break me up a piece of that. Klondike bar, is that how it goes? <laughs> it's a Kit Kat bar, right? Start getting confused, like, but there's something there. No, that's not it. I know there's something there. That's what it was like for me last night. That's sometimes what it's like when God's speaking to you. It's like, oh, I'm not moving. And I, I, I saw this part of the story 
for the first two points. But I just couldn't understand it for community. But let, let, me, let me share with you what God spoke to me. The next verses it says, Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us in this man. That's psycho, right? You ever have a demon speak for you? You ever talk to a demon, anyone? Talked to a couple of demons before. Some that I knew were demons and some I didn't know till later. <laughs> then the evil spirit begs him again and again to send them into, to not send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out of this man and entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. This is a strange story. <laughs> this is a very peculiar thing going on. I, and notice how the disciples are just silent this whole time. They're just like, what? Peter's all like, what the? <laughs> He's all cussing in the back. What's going on here? Often the community that we keep are the demons of our past. Are the demons and influences of our vices that we can't stop. See, I thought this whole time that this guy was alone. I kept looking at him as being alone. But I realized he had so many things within him. He had plenty of community. And community can be really angels or demons in your life. The people that you surround yourself with, they can be either angels or demons. The, the things that you hold on to can be angels or demons. Even though this guy claimed to be alone, he had so many demons he surrounded himself with. Don't we do that? We hang on to those people for those just-in-case moments. Those people that we know are not good for us. Just in, just in case I can't take it today, I'm going to keep them there. Just in case I can't go one night without a booty call, I'm going to keep them there. Just in case I can't go one weekend without a drink, I'm going to keep them there. Just in case I can't go a moment without trying to make myself feel better about myself by talking trash about another person, I'm going to keep them there so I can talk bad about other people. I'm going to keep those demons around me. Just in case. I'm not going to have them all the time. Just for those just in case moments. It's my, it's my secret community. My, my, my family away from home. The truth is, those influencers so, have so many more shackles on you than you realize. You're breaking all the chains and shackles of other people. The ones that really clap them onto you, are like, oh, this is great. So glad you're here. Thank you for bounding me. Thank you for leaving me stuck in my same situation that I couldn't get out for years. And even though you know that I've been stuck in this situation, you keep me here and help enable me instead of being a real friend to help me get out. Why do you like me there so much? Because they're there too. Doesn't misery love company? So do addictions. Addictions love company. 
Depression loves company. You think that depression doesn't love company? Oh, man. You need to hang out with a depressed person. It, it is so easy to let that spread, let it grow. See, when we finally allow Jesus to do the work in our hearts, we finally allow him to do something. The release is overwhelming and can be seen clearly as a moment of change and liberty. Think about this huge orchestra of events that happens. It was so obvious and clear that he met God. All these demons thrown up out of his mouth. I don't know how it looked, but... And he was just thrown up in the air and all these spirits were coming out. And this huge orchestra of events happens to where it was so obvious that he had finally had surrender. He had finally had a change of God in his life. And so many of you have had that real change. You've experienced it, but you keep doubting it over and over. You keep second-guessing your salvation. Am I really a Christian? Am I really good enough? I don't know if I'm good enough, God. God, help, I need to give my, I, Jesus, help me. I need to give my life to you again. I'm such a mess up. I, I, it's so easy for me to sin. I don't even think I'm saved. But you have that clear moment where all of that junk left you. You were crying. You had tears flowing from your eyes. You're crying out to God saying, God, I trust you. I see now. You had a moment like this man where you did have those demons leave, but you doubt it. You doubt the work that God had already done. Let's keep reading. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus. And they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Isn't that crazy how when you experience change in your life, it makes the people around you nervous? They just brainwashed you, man. (laughs) They were afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. (laughs) Notice how people associate stupid stuff with you. (laughs) They talk about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. (laughs) They just can't get off that stupid accident, that stupid thing, and they always associate it with you. Yeah, but those pigs, though, you can experience the best change of your life, and people still on them pigs. (laughs) But pigs, though, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. You can only experience... You can experience change while those around you are still blind to it. They're still stuck on the pigs. You can have this crazy life change, but they're still on the pigs. They can't really appreciate the true change of God in your life and in your heart. You know it. You feel it. But it's like you can't explain it to them. No matter how much you try, they just don't get it. They're just still stuck on them pigs. I don't know what those pigs have been for you. But you just need to let those pigs stay at the bottom of that cliff. 
They dead. Those pigs are gone. They're never going to come back. You can just let those pigs die. Whatever that is for you, it's okay to let it go. Even though other people may still remember it, they still may bring it up, it's gone. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And some people would rather stay distant from God in their safety zones and experience real change. All these other people literally told Jesus to leave. They told Jesus to leave. What's amazing is that God won't stay where you ask him, when you ask Him to leave. If you really want God to go, Jesus says, all right, I'm going to be watching you from the lake. But if you don't want me here, I won't stay. But it, it's amazing to me that the people knew this man. And think about how much people demonize this man. Oh, that's just, that's lunatic Larry. That's, that's maniac Matt. You ever feel like people demonize you and make you out to be worse than you really feel like you are? You even think to yourself, hey, you're not such a hot shot yourself. <laughs> it's so easy to compare yourself to someone else and make yourself feel like a better person. I'm not as bad as Hitler over there. <laughs> I'm not as bad as my brother. I'm, I at least thank God I'm not as bad as my mom. I'm nothing like my dad. We demonize others to make it seem like we're all just fine. And yet we're the ones that push Jesus away. While these maniacs that we compare ourselves to are really having life change. Often people settle for the comfortability of right now instead of the compelling of potential. They were so stuck on those pigs. Yeah, but those pigs right now, we, that was our money. That was everything we were expecting. That's what we needed right now. And people will, will throw away the potential of the future. They had Jesus, the Son of God. I mean, eternity, forever. Such a bigger picture, right, than a bunch of pigs. Talking about heaven or hell, the Jesus, the Son of God, who's, gonna, who's willing to die for them on the cross. He's going to be resurrected, the king of glory, the king of the universe. And they're like, yeah, but right now, though, right now, these pigs are all that I got. Right now, this is where I'm at. Right now. And so often we put off our relationship with Christ, our relationship with God, because we think, well, right now, I'm just not ready for that. Maybe sometime in the distant future when I'm like on my deathbed, then I'll trust God. Then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do all that later. Right now, I'm fine just right where I'm at. Let's read the last point. In Mark chapter 5, verse 18 through 20, it says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, he was leaving because they asked him to. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And this is the part that I didn't understand for years. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus said, no, stay where you're at. I, I, that's so troubling to me. Why would Jesus tell him to not go with him? Wasn't he looking for followers? 
Everybody else, he said, yeah, just uh, leave, leave so and your father and mother behind and come and follow me. Leave your jobs behind and come and follow me. Now this guy, why is it that when he wants to follow him, it's the only time in the Bible where Jesus says, no, no, don't follow me, stay where you're at. It makes you feel like, well, is he just not good enough? Is he not, is it because of all those demons he had, he wasn't ready? He had to do some training first? Well, that can't be it because he says, go tell your family everything the Lord has done. It says that, so the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. So he made a difference. With just his testimony, no education, no qualifications, he made a difference for Christ in the community that he was already a part of. And often we are so ready to leave the community that we had already were in in order to find a better one. We're so ready to just get out of San Antonio. You know, all I really need, I just need to leave town. I just need to go start somewhere new. I need a fresh start. If I could just get away from these people, I'll be able to start something new. Then, then I'll be able to finally live for God have, be happy, do what I need to do. All I need to do is just leave my past behind. And often we're so ready to leave the community we're already in and to find a better one. But perhaps God has been telling you to stay, making you stay, because you are the factor to the failure of the community. Meaning that you are the factor to make it better. Community has failed us. We think we need a better one. And God says, no, you're going to make this one the better one. One of our values, our purpose, is to make a difference. And oftentimes, we try to look at the other places that we could better fit in to make a difference rather than the place that we're already at. It's difficult for me to imagine going to my own family and making a difference. It's much easier the thought of going to a complete stranger and making a difference to them. But here God saying, even a crazy man can make a difference in his community. That's why I love this guy so much. Because I've felt the ways this guy has felt. I've felt like a maniac. I've felt like I surround myself with death. I've felt... Like my whole life has been like cutting stones. And yet this crazy man was able to make a difference in his community. Even though he wanted to leave. I mean, you guys have felt that, right? So much pain in the past. You're like, I just need to get away from here. I need to get out. And God is saying, no, I want you to stay there that you can make a difference. That you, even though they thought you were the failure, you're going to be the factor of change in their lives. Even though they judged you, try to bound you and try to keep you down, you're going to be the factor that changes their lives. What an amazing redemptive story God has for us. And right now, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. God is is so powerful and so good. 
And, and we lose sight of His power. We only look at things of what we think might happen. We don't look at the possibility of God being real. His power being real. That His redemption is real. And if you're here, maybe you're ready to experience that first step of redemption by trusting God, putting your heart and your soul in His hands. Stop leaving so much distance between you and Him. Letting Him come to those tombs of dead memories so that there can be a true redemption, true life. If you're ready to make that commitment to Christ today, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I feel like God is just wanting a moment to pause. I feel like God is saying, you too. I feel like God is saying, I know that you're afraid. That you're scared, but you're ready for this. So I just want to leave a moment longer. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Every eye closed and head bowed. See your hand. So amazing that God, so patient, so ready to love you. He's so ready to love you. He says, It's okay, I'll wait. So if you're ready, ready to make that step all you have to do is repeat this prayer after me because the Bible says that in order to have this relationship with Christ all you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord because we're saved by God's grace not by our own works it's a free gift that he offers to us And so if you're ready, repeat this prayer after me. And if you've already given your life to Christ, I want you to repeat this prayer too as a reaffirmation of your faith. Say, Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you. I am still scared, but I'm ready to trust you. Do a work in me. Show me your love. Help me to understand your ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose from the dead. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God and that you made a way for a crazy person like me. Change my life and give me a new perspective. In Jesus' name. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed,